Turns out people get pretty excited about mattress conspiracies, so this episode contains a little foul language. Amory. Dan. You host a show about Reddit called Endless Thread. And you host a show about brands and culture called Household Name. And we found a story that touches all those things. Our story starts, of course, with a Reddit thread. The question being discussed, what conspiracy theory do you 100% buy into and why? There are a bunch of different unfounded conspiracies posted to this thread. Like Bill and Hillary Clinton have an open marriage. Something about Walmart sharing security cameras with the government. Adam Sandler makes movies as an excuse to go on vacations with his friends. That one's probably true. But where the thread really gets going, where it really gets heated, is when it gets to this comment. Mattress Firm is some sort of giant money laundering scheme. This is from a Redditor who goes by the username Crazy Potatoes. It's read here by one of our colleagues. They're fucking everywhere and always empty. I remember seeing four mattress firms all on each corner of an intersection once. There is no way there is such a demand for mattresses. This thread has thousands of replies, and people get into it. Doing back-of-the-envelope math about mattress pricing. Posting maps of the mattress firms in their hometowns. Crazy. And it's like everyone on this thread is suddenly pitching in, trying to make sense of the years and years worth of weird experiences they've had while mattress shopping. And the more research they do, the more suspicious, they say, things start to look. The first five were within walking distance of each other. And then the last one was a little bit away down the road. This is one of the Redditors on that thread. Username, HD. Hello, I'm Cameron Thorpe. I live in like a little rural town south of Chicago. Cameron is a junior in high school, and he says he didn't buy into the conspiracy theory at first. But then, one day, he and a couple of his friends are in nearby Highland, Indiana, and they see one mattress firm, then another one just down the road. Like, as soon as the third one came around, I'm like, look at that, there's another one. And then we saw the fourth one, and I'm like, I'm kind of yelling at them. I'm like, there's something happening here. Like, what is all this? And, like, they kind of join in on the hype, and we're just kind of, like, freaking out in the car. And uh, we start thinking if maybe if there's something actually to this uh, conspiracy theory. So a couple days later, um, we went back to Highland and we started at the first mattress firm and we went on like a a bar crawl of sorts to all uh, the five mattress firms within walking distance. And uh, every single story we went into, there was no one in it. By now, it's a full-fledged teenage investigation. Yeah, so it was a little suspicious to the people working there, like three 16-year-old kids looking to buy a mattress. But we were just asking, like, questions. We were like, like, how much does a mattress cost? Uh, Because I wanted to get some information about, like, how these people could possibly stay open. Huh, and what did you learn? I learned that mattresses are decently expensive and that not enough people buy them to keep those stores open. There's, like, no way they could sell enough mattresses to, uh, you know, keep all five stores within proximity of each other open. It's not just Cameron and his friends and a bunch of people on Reddit who are interested in this question. Business Insider wrote about this conspiracy theory, and the story went nuts, like 800,000 clicks. And then a YouTuber named Shane Dawson started theorizing to his 17 million subscribers. Think about it this way. You only buy mattresses once every seven to ten years. 
years. So why are there more mattress stores on one street than there are grocery stores or Starbucks? Then other YouTubers. There is another mattress firm. I need a mattress. There's a store. I need a mattress. There's another store. It's a good day to buy. And then it was our turn. We're at about 194 Alewife Brook Parkway. Mm -hmm. And we're going to attempt to talk to someone in the mattress firm. From Business Insider and Stitcher, an hour show about Reddit, Endless Thread, this is Household Name. I'm Dan Bobkoff. I'm Amory Siebertson. And today, what is up with Mattress Firm? It's totally a money laundering front. Our lawyer says you can't say that. Fine. Okay, it probably isn't a money laundering front, but we're here to find out the truth as best we can. We're joining forces to find what's really going on with three mattress firm theories the internet is obsessed with. Number one, over-mattressification. A technical term for what's with all those stores. Number two, the sleaze factor. From the vibe of the stores themselves to the prices you pay, Something just feels off about Mattress Firm. And number three, the parent trap. Mattress Firm's new owner might be our best shot at finding evidence of financial fraud. All that crazy stuff. Allegedly. All that allegedly crazy stuff coming up. Stay with us. Okay, so theory number one and my new favorite made-up word over-mattressification. Or why are there so many mattress firms? So, Dan, once you started talking about this a few months ago, I started seeing mattress firms everywhere. These mattress firms are so close that you could get confused. You could, like, forget where you parked your car and end up at the other mattress firm. This is my co-host and the senior producer of Endless Thread, Ben Brock Johnson. I needed answers about all of these mattress firms, so I dragged Ben along to an intersection in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where there are two of them right across the street from each other. Um, so the mattress firm we're about to go into is in between a TJ Maxx and Home Goods and an Xfinity store. And also I see a, a McDonald's down there. Yeah. So let's just go in and see if someone will talk to us. Are we going to pretend like we're sh buying a mattress? I mean, we can. I think the microphones might give us away a little bit. So we waited until the sales guy looked a little distracted and went in. I've never been in a mattress firm, have you? No. Okay. The sales guy wouldn't answer anything on the record, which I wasn't totally surprised, but it definitely made me more curious. We've been reporting this story for a couple of months, and we haven't been able to get a single mattress firm employee to talk to us on the record. Even people who used to work there have been skittish. And it just makes you wonder, you know, if there's nothing fishy going on here, why is it so hard to get an explanation? Even one given anonymously. There has to be a reason why there are so many mattress firms. Uh, there are plenty of conspiracy theories, particularly surrounding mattress firm, but I think generally speaking, it's a, uh, a fair and honest retail business. All right, Emery, before you get too carried away, I found an actual reasonable explanation from a guy named Seth Basham. He's an analyst at an investment firm called Wedbush, where he spends a lot of time talking to people in the mattress industry. 
So their stated premise uh, strategy is called relative market share. So they want. And he's starting to explain something important here. All those mattress firms you've been seeing everywhere, they're all part of a totally legit business strategy. Okay, I'm listening. They've been growing through acquisition for close to 10 years, rolling up a lot of regional chains uh, in the process. It's actually a pretty basic plan. Mattress Firm is trying to make sure it's your number one choice when you're buying a mattress, by being your only choice. So for years, they aggressively bought up anything they could. Sometimes that meant buying the competitor across the street. So that's how they ended up owning all these mattress chains. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. They bought Sleep Train, Mattress Barn, Mattress Pro, Sleepies. And every time they buy one of these stores, instead of shutting it down, they just paint over the Sleepy sign or whatever it says and slap on a Mattress Firm logo, swap out the inventory, and voila. They've got locations everywhere. You leave your house looking for a mattress, and odds are you'll run into a Mattress Firm just around the corner. Or four. But does this actually make any sense as a business strategy? Like, are they making any money from this, or are they just blowing it on all these mattress stores? Yes and no. Look, for a long time, this actually worked as a really great advertising strategy. You could think of all these stores and shopping centers and next to off-ramps as kind of like billboards with doors. They amped up brand awareness and just funneled more buyers into the stores. Like, even now, everybody knows Mattress Firm because Mattress Firm is everywhere. But it's got to cost a lot of money to keep the stores open, right? Not as much as you'd think. We'll talk more about this later. But for now, all you need to know is you can make a lot of money selling not that many mattresses. And you don't have to pay a lot of people to do it. Here's Seth Basham again. You don't have to sell too many $4,000 mattresses each week to keep the lights on and pay the staff in the store, uh, pay a little bit for the advertising and the distribution. So they make money by selling a handful of units per day. Um, And to do that, it only requires oftentimes one or two employees in the store. After Mattress Firm bought Sleepies in 2015, it had 3,200 locations across the country. Mattress Firm then controlled over 25% of mattress sales. For a moment, it seemed like mattress bliss. So what happened? Turns out, they got in a little over their heads. Their results have been what I might call an unmitigated disaster since they acquired Sleepies. They overdid it. They overdid it. So there's nothing conspiratorial with the number of mattress firm stores out there. Unless... Well, there's a lawsuit that was filed by Mattress Firm last October, and they are suing two of their real estate executives um, that that were also fired from the company. Mary Hanbury says this is where we should be looking. She's one of Business Insider's retail reporters. Okay, this sounds promising. It all started last October when Mattress Firm sued the two guys who ran their real estate department. Their own real estate department? Like, these guys worked for Mattress Firm? Yeah, and they're being accused of defrauding their company out of millions of dollars. How? So, Mattress Firm was opening up a lot of locations really quickly. That was good for real estate developers and brokers. But according to the suit, it might not have been good for Mattress Firm. Because those two employees they're suing may have been in on a scheme to cash in on some of those real estate deals. Ah, I'm smelling a subplot of corruption and scandal. This time, Amory, I think you're onto something. Mattress Firm is claiming that the two real estate executives who worked for them were in cahoots with someone outside the company, a real estate broker for the company Colliers International. And so they're saying this guy then was kind of giving them bribes to make sure that he stayed the broker because he knew, like, 
you know, they were going to be opening a lot of stores. They had this, this strategy. And he wanted to be on the receiving end of that paycheck. You'd think, but it's actually not that simple. Mattress Firm is also accusing another party of being in on this. It kind of then comes to developers who then found out, okay, well, these guys are in charge of, you know, where, where Mattress Firm is going to be opening. We want to be on side with them too. So then they started offering, allegedly, or giving them, bribing them and, and, and giving them gifts. And besides being, you know, against the law, that kind of activity would mean Mattress Firm is out millions of dollars. Right. Because if in this scenario, you're the real estate broker or developer that's bribing Mattress Firm, you would at least want to get your money's worth. Yeah. Mattress Firm's suit claims they were steered toward locations where they had to pay more in rent or were forced to sign onto longer leases as a result of all this. They said that it impacted about 800 stores. That's a lot of stores. Exactly. And they, Mattress Firm haven't named the amount that they, they want for this, but some reporters have said that it, it could be up to like $40 million. It could have cost them $40 million. So I got to say, this is sounding more and more like a bona fide conspiracy, Dan. Oh, we're just getting started. So then it seems like Mattress Firm is the victim here, but then the real estate executives filed a countersuit against Mattress Firm, saying that Mattress Firm was aware of all these deals. How the tables have turned. Yeah. So if, in fact, Mattress Firm's leadership was aware of all this, all that they're suing these brokers and developers over, then they could have a bigger problem on their hands. But this is important. It's hard for us on the outside to really know what's going on here. So far, it's just a couple of lawsuits going back and forth. And if you believe Mattress Firm's version of events, this is really bad news for the conspiracy theory in general. Well, unfortunately, this probably would kill the idea of a conspiracy because it's, you know, it's saying that actually it's not Mattress Firm's fault or perhaps it is Mattress Firm's fault, but it's actually that they were being pushed into all these store openings and aggressive expansion by their very own team. But what if the countersuit is right? Like, if Mattress Firm knew their real estate executives were getting kickbacks from the brokers and developers, isn't it kind of weird that they would allow them to just keep making terrible real estate decisions? Yeah, that would be weird. And because no one's talking publicly about it yet, we don't have any explanations. We don't know for sure if there's any validity to either lawsuit at this point. But one detail here is pretty interesting no matter how you slice it. Mattress firm, not the real estate brokers they're suing, brought this to court. I mean, maybe it's like a desperate attempt for them. You know, now we're just finding out that they may be filing for bankruptcy. So is this them realizing, oh my gosh, we've run this wildly optimistic store expansion plan, who can we blame for it? Um, We've made some like bad business decisions and we've now ended up with a fleet of 3,400 stores, which, you know, maybe it wasn't a great idea. Like, who can we blame for this? Okay, so over mattressification, why are there so many mattress stores? Where have we landed, Dan? Here's what we know. Mattress firm expanded really fast It opened stores and bought up tons of competitors so quickly that didn't have time to think about a location strategy. Sometimes they just left stores across the street from each other. It may be that someone on the inside was nefariously steering the company to expensive locations it didn't need. But we have no evidence these stores are doing anything other than selling mattresses. All right then, what's next? The sleaze factor. Oh, that's right. Okay. We got some sleaze coming up for you after the break.
We're back. Dan, I have a confession. I've never bought a mattress. You have never bought a mattress? No, I just get hand-me-downs. And frankly, I don't ever want to buy a mattress. Like, the idea of a salesperson trying to upsell me while I'm reclining on a mattress in a store, the experience just seems not fun. You don't actually have to do the deal while you're on the mattress, but... uh, (laughs) That's not part of it? Okay. But this is one reason why there are so many of these new online or, quote, direct-to-consumer mattress companies now, where you just order your mattress and it shows up in a box at your door. And lots of those companies sponsor podcasts. Including ours from time to time. The bottom line is, though, that buying mattresses in stores and mattress salespeople have an iffy reputation. Which brings us to theory number two, the sleaze factor. Lots of Redditors described getting a weird vibe from Mattress Firm. One person wrote, and we're having one of our coworkers read the comment here. I stopped into a mattress firm a while back, and I got the impression the salesman just Googled sales tactics before I walked in, because he tried every dumb idea in the book. The markdown from an inflated price trick. The time-based discount trick. This is the last one we have, and the next generation won't have this price. Dude, I already know what I want and the price I want to pay for it. I just want to look around. He tried talking me into a mattress $1,000 over my budget by offering me a deal if I buy today for $500 over budget. As I was leaving, he actually said to me, statistics show if you walk out that door today, you won't be back. Um, probably not, dude. You're right about that one. Another user who says they work across the street from a mattress firm pointed out that something else feels kind of eerie. These stores always look totally empty. We never see anyone in there, no matter the time of day or day of the week. The only time I ever see anyone exit the building or enter is the guy taking his smoke breaks. Either it's a front for something or the world's most boring job. So whether there's something going on undercover at Mattress Firm or not, something about these stores just feels off to a lot of people. Was that a pun, Amory? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I gotta get it in there somewhere, Dan. We wanted to hear more about what Mattress Firm is actually like from somebody on the inside. Turns out, That's easier said than done. After our first failed mattress firm scouting attempt, my co-host Ben and I headed across the street to try our luck at another mattress firm. Okay. All right. So we just came from 194 Alewife Brook Parkway. We've crossed the street. This is 229 Alewife Brook Parkway. And here's mattress firm number two. The sales guy in this mattress firm knew we were coming. His colleague across the street had called to give him a heads up about us. And he didn't want to talk either. Plot thickens. I like how I was like, that guy's not going to call over. I know. Well, I said that too. across the street is not going to call Mattress Firm guy over here. We should also say that Mattress Firm Corporate hasn't responded to our requests for comment either. By the way, did you know that they call their main office the bedquarters? Oh, no. I actually really like that. (laughs) Okay, no word from the bedquarters, but Ben and I were on the case, and we happened upon the Sasquatch of mattress shopping. We have a real live customer in there, which you don't usually see in a mattress firm. Turns out this guy was stopping by the mattress firm to pick up a waterproof mattress pad protector, and get this, he was the only customer we saw go in or out of either mattress firm in the half an hour or so that we were there. So this very anecdotal evidence supports an idea that we've heard about a lot on the Reddit thread. If you're a mattress firm employee, you're probably not getting a lot of visitors. 
Another Redditor said they managed a mattress store for five years. They wrote, One December, I went three weeks without a single person walking into my building. The reason the stores are profitable is the insane markup on the merchandise. A mattress set that cost the company $200 would retail for $2,000. That's actually not that weird from a business perspective. Really? Like, you know, you buy stuff in stores, groceries or clothes or gadgets. All those things get marked up. So a store selling a T-shirt that costs $5 to make might actually charge you $10 so they make a little profit. Or if they're a fancy clothes brand, maybe it's $25. Seems normal enough. Well, it works the same way for mattresses. I talked to Michael Magnuson about this. He runs a website called goodbed.com, which is kind of like a guide for mattress buyers. They buy a product for, let's say, $500, and on average, they sell that product for $1,000. Okay, but it seems like there's a big difference between spending, like, 20 extra dollars on a shirt and $1,000 on a mattress, no? Yeah, Magnuson says it's actually not that different. But there are three reasons why customers like you get all upset about mattress prices when they don't care about those markups on other products. So number one is you might not know that margins even exist for other products because mattresses are famous for this. Number two, you're much less likely to even notice or care about a price margin on a product that isn't that expensive. So the absolute dollars of margin seem lower or less of a focus. And number three, you're going to like Emery. Magnuson calls mattresses a grudge purchase because no one gets excited about blowing a couple grand on a mattress. Meaning you can really screw up your mattress purchase. You have to pay attention to it. But like, if you get it right, it's not like, oh my gosh, like my social status goes up. Like I just, you know, all these, like, you don't get like that great Instagram moment (laughs) from buying the perfect mattress. So it's kind of a grudge purchase. People know they can't blow it off. They know they got to spend a lot of money on it, but they don't want to. It's not fun. You don't invite your friends over and say, hey, check out my mattress. It's a little weird. I think it would be, I think that might come off as a little weird. Yeah. (laughs) So as a result, um, you know, you're focused on every dollar. With grudge purchases, you're focused on every dollar. It's sort of like insurance. You're like really focused on how much money is the company selling this to me making because I don't like to spend any dollar on this. So how much is Mattress Firm making off of us? Well, it varies. And it varies because salespeople want to talk you into spending as much of your money on mattresses as humanly possible. And they work on commission. So the higher the selling price, the more they get paid. And all that translates into some business practices that don't feel that great when you're in the mattress store. Like you might have heard that thing about how you're supposed to replace your mattress every five to seven years. They used to say at least 10 years. Then when I got into this, they started saying eight to 10 now the whole messaging from the industry is five to seven. So they've like, <laughs> as an industry, they've kind of gotten together and said, you know, really you should be replacing more and more often. Oh man, what's next? Every three years? Every year? Yeah, and then there are all those devious sales tactics. Let's take an example of one of these practices, um, discounting. Yeah, it seems like every mattress firm store you pass, their windows are smattered with sale signs. And that's intentional. Let's say one day you decide to actually buy a mattress, Amory. And I somehow work up the courage to do it in an actual mattress store. Yes. So a salesperson might take a mattress they want to sell for $2,000 and say it was originally priced at 4000 just to make you feel a little better. So you walk in any day of the week and we're showing you a 50% savings, right? Of course, on holidays, we're going to mark it down even further. So that's when it starts to look like, oh, my gosh, this is 70% off. Yeah, spending $2,000 on a mattress does feel a little bit better if I convince myself that I'm saving $2,000 at the same time. 
oh no, Dan, it's working. (laughs) So what's stopping them from doing things like this all the time? Nothing. Nothing at all. Let's say you visit two stores on your mattress quest to do some price comparison. Yeah, you know, I'm a good informed shopper. So one of those stores you go to is a good store, let's say, and the other one is a bad store. In the bad store, they're marking up mattress prices before slapping sale labels on them. And in the good store, they're selling mattresses at the regular retail price. The average consumer now walks in more times than not. They look at those two products in those two stores and they go, I'll take my chances on the one that's 50% off. Like, I'll go with that one. So the bad store sells you your mattress and it presumably makes lots of other sales too. So the good store ends up going out of business, even though ultimately they were selling that mattress at the same price. And so that's how the bad actors have really like set the mark for the industry and set the standards. Sad. Look, my point is all this stuff may feel shady, but that doesn't mean there's a conspiracy. Lots of salespeople do this, not just the people who work at mattress stores. I mean, ever bought a car? And I get it. If you know the salesperson you're talking to is inflating the sticker price just to make you feel like you're getting a deal, it's not hard to convince yourself they may be up to more shenanigans. So for theory number two, for the sleaze factor, here's where we are. We've learned that mattresses are expensive because they have big profit margins and that salespeople are incentivized to sell them for as much as possible. That combined with the fact that most consumers don't love spending their hard-earned dollars on mattresses in the first place makes the whole process just feel kind of gross. But a grudge purchase is not the same thing as money laundering. Nothing here looks like money laundering. Oh, but Dan, we've arrived at the most intriguing comment in this mattress firm conspiracy thread on Reddit. Yes. Mechatronics man TZ writes... Surprise! Mattress firm is owned by Steinhoff, which is currently embroiled in a money laundering saga. Is it true? Say it ain't so, Dan. Is it so? We'll find out after the break. We're back. And we've arrived at the big one. The California king of conspiracy theories. Number three, The Parent Trap. It's been a tumultuous week for Steinhoff International. These are the quiet offices of the global furniture retailer in Weinberg, Johannesburg. You would never think these offices are connected into what's turning into a global scandal. Up until this point, the Reddit comments we've looked at have validated lots of the weird experiences we've all had at Mattress Firm. Like how there are so many stores, how there are no people in those stores, and how weird the salespeople seem. It all feels kind of strange. But here, for the first time, we're about to hit a conspiracy theory with some meat on it. And the people who believe this one happen to be the police, regulators, and investigators from different countries. They're all targeting the company that now owns Mattress Firm, a company called Steinhoff International. It's the second biggest furniture retail company in the world, second only to Ikea. Just a week ago, Steinhoff was challenging world furniture giants Ikea for dominance. Now, it has all gone to dust. The short version of the story is that Steinhoff is the subject of a massive criminal investigation, which, we should be clear, is not a money laundering investigation, as that Redditor Mechatronics Man TZ suggested. But the long version of the Steinhoff story is so much more interesting. 
Well, it's been a spectacular collapse. It's, lit- it's literally been the biggest crash in South African corporate history. I called up Business Insider's South Africa office, and they connected me to James Brent Stein. He's written a whole book about Steinhoff's dealings in South Africa, which is where the company is based. They've been there since 1996, when the company's founder, Bruno Steinhoff, moved there from West Germany. But the guy we really care about, the name you want to remember here, is Marcus Eusta. He used to be Steinhoff's CEO. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Mr. Eusta was considered as well quite an arrogant guy and a uh, very short chap, by the way. Uh, in South Africa, we, we like to call it court maniki syndrome. <laughs> it means... Uh, it's like a Jack Russell. You, you're short, but you think you're the biggest dog in the kennel. And he was not shy about throwing his weight around. Until everything went haywire, and don't worry, we're getting there, Steinhoff was one of the biggest companies on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. They employed 50,000 people in South Africa. And it almost goes without saying, guys like Eusta were making a lot of cash. These guys, they all uh, live in one little town called Stellenbosch. They live on these uh, super luxurious wine estates where they make wine and they drive uh, Bugattis and they drive Maybachs and they are just uh, stories of affairs uh, and big yachts and all sorts of stuff. I mean, they are the elite in, uh, in the country. And no one in South Africa blinked an eye. Until December 5th, 2017, when totally out of the blue, Marcus Eusta resigned. Turns out, Steinhoff may have been hiding a lot of financial irregularities. Regulators and investigators are accusing the company of years of financial fraud, stuff like hiding debt from its balance sheets. This company has got away with with quite a lot in terms of, I don't think that that such a lot of attention was paid to to what Steinhoff was up to, not in South Africa in any case. Until the day Eusta resigned, and that triggered the biggest collapse in South Africa's corporate history. Questions have been asked about why its auditors didn't pick up on the holes in its books. While authorities investigate the company, Steinhoff itself has hired auditors to look into the apparent fraud within the company and track down who did it. There are also questions about the taxes it did or didn't pay. We still don't know the full extent of what happened. Steinhoff's value tanked on the stock exchange, losing almost all its value. Shareholders lost millions of rand. And two days later, an American um, short-selling group called Viceroy uh, dropped an incredible uh, report about some very interesting dealings at the Steinhoff Group, which cast a lot of shade. And by the way, the mattress firm deal was included in that report. And that just led to a slide that we've never seen before. Here's where things get really interesting for our story. Before all of this came to light, back in August of 2016, Steinhoff did something that, on its face, can only be described as incredibly stupid. Or it at least raises a lot of questions. They bought Mattress Firm for $2.4 billion, more than twice what the company was worth. And that's really unusual. Well, certainly the, the amounts, the amount paid, I mean, that's just off the bat uh, crazy. I mean, that's just nuts. It's what we, in the business world, traditionally call a huge mistake. A lot of people did say, you know, this company's overvalued. Why pay so much for mattress firm? What's going on here? But, you know, it it still took about a year and a half until, I suppose, the meltdown of this entire group before people really sat up and said, okay, well, well, what happened here? So, Dan, 
Why? Why would Steinhoff do that? Is there a rational explanation here anywhere? I mean, if you really want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you could try something like maybe Steinhoff really wanted to get into the U.S. market and was willing to pay a lot to do it. Or maybe for some reason they genuinely believe that's what Mattress Firm was worth. But it still seems strange. Keep in mind, when this is happening, Mattress Firm has all this new competition it didn't have a few years ago from online companies like Casper and Lisa and Tuft and Needle. So why would Steinhoff pay so much money for just this one chain? What was this Mattress Firm deal all about? Because it certainly seemed, and ceased at the moment more so, seems like a dud. Why was this enormous amount paid for something which seems like there wasn't as much value as what was paid for? Mattress Firm wasn't doing great when Steinhoff bought it in 2016. They were coming off their acquisition binge and were struggling to finance all those storefronts they'd opened around the country. And right after Steinhoff bought Mattress Firm, things got even worse. Mr. Euster, the CEO, had a big falling out with one of the major suppliers of Mattress Firm. I think it's called the Sealy. Sealy something or other. Tempur-Pedic, yes. There we go. There was an incredible fallout with them. And, and I understand it was, it was, it was him who, who tried to be very funny or made some strange demands. And uh, Sealy said no. And they pulled out of, of, of supplying the, the mattress firm company with their product. And that was an incredible blow to mattress firm. The breakup of mattress firm and Tempur-Sealy has been bad for both companies. It's hurt both of their sales figures. Which is, you know, some, something else that's quite bizarre when you, when you look at a company that's trying to establish itself in the States and takes over something like Mattress Firm at a massive premium, and then you go and you tick off the, the biggest supplier. I mean, it's just utterly bizarre. Temper Sealy is even suing Mattress Firm right now for selling a mattress it says sounds and looks a lot like the Tempur-Pedic. Mattress Firm calls it the Therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So... We've reached the end of number three. What's the conclusion? In all likelihood, there's no mattress firm conspiracy, no grand plan, no shady things happening in back rooms. But I will say this Steinhoff stuff, it's not nothing. I mean, you have investigators from around the world looking into this company, but there's no indication that mattress firm specifically has done anything wrong yet. So I'm going to keep my eye on this. But for now, sorry, Redditors. Oh, Dan, come on. Is that all you can give us here? Yeah, but there's a bigger point about Mattress Firm. You might have seen all these stores next to each other now. You know, you're going to these intersections, you see four stores there. But that might not be the way it is forever. The company has said it expects to close 250 stores this year. Many more could be coming after that. And many in the business are speculating the Mattress Firm could file for bankruptcy protection. If there were any truth to these conspiracy theories, it doesn't seem to be working. They're not making tons of money from this. Okay, so to some extent here, we're kind of, we're crushing some Redditor's conspiratorial dreams, right? I feel like conspiracies are always more exciting than reality. (laughs) But what's really interesting to me is just how much people care. Like you have these high schoolers doing investigations. YouTubers are driving around in their cars, taking videos, trying to figure out what's going on. Redditor's are posting detailed maps and comments and theories. And I think there's just some fun in speculating about a store that's so banal. Yeah, and let's face it, you don't have to fully prove a conspiracy theory for it to be fun. It's about the journey. I enjoyed this journey with you, Amory. Me too, Dan. <laughs> Check out Endless Thread from WBUR and Reddit. 
You'll find episodes about a couple who started their married life as husband and wife and are now wife and wife, the story of a lab in Oklahoma that's turning the soil in your backyard into medicine, and an episode about post-it notes mysteriously showing up in a Redditor's apartment. Who wrote them and how did they get there? Search for Endless Thread on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by household names Sarah Wyman with Anna Mazarakis, Amy Padula, Claire Rawlinson, and me, and by Endless Threads Amory Sievertson, Ben Brock Johnson, and Josh Schwartz. Our editor is Gianna Palmer. Sound design by Paul Vikas and John Delore, who also wrote our theme music with Casey Holford. The executive producers of Household Name are Chris Bannon, Laura Mayer, Jenny Radelit, and me. Let us know what you think of the show. You can email us at householdname at businessinsider.com. Check out our past episodes, leave a review and rating, and make sure you subscribe. All that helps new listeners find the show. Household Name is a production of Insider Audio. Stitcher.